The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Good morning. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Executive Minister and Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. As I've been doing all year, I've been interviewing people who I feel as though are making a positive impact in the world, a positive impact in transforming human consciousness so we can create the world that works for everybody. And today is a guest who's been on my show multiple times, but I keep inviting him back because I have such a good time interviewing him. So today on my show is the Reverend Dieter Randolph, who is the lead pastor of the Water and Stone Church in Florida. He is a third generation minister and he is a person who I feel as though uh, walks with the integrity of truth and he has a new book out and we're going to talk about his book today. How are you doing there Reverend Dieter? I am doing wonderful my friend. Thank you so much for having me back on. It, I, I really look forward to these conversations. It just, even if nobody was listening I, I look forward to just a chance to talk to you and you're so busy and I'm so busy. We have to do it on the radio. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just, it's, you know, we're, we're going to bump into each other at one of these conferences one day. You know, you it's go. too many new thought conferences. Once we get past the, uh, this global shutdown, you know, you know, <laughs> we'll have to have some time where we can just kick it. But anyway, I love it. you know, and, you know, and I might just have to take a trip down to Florida or something. There you go. So you wrote a book, you just wrote a book <laughs> called meaning fulfilled and mm-hmm. uh, i'm a big believer in meaning and and what meaning means to, to you know to make it sound like a catchphrase so <laughs> what is this book meaning fulfilled all about well the basic idea came to me because i i was thinking about i had an opportunity to do a, a funeral a memorial service and you know you're a minister too we've been to most people maybe been to like 10 funerals in their life here and there. We've been to hundreds, yeah. you know, how that's kind of how it goes. And I was just thinking about, you know, obviously it's not a part of the calling that I enjoy. That's not the right word for it. 
but it is a sacred responsibility. And I'm always really touched and really honored to get to be a part of that. But I was doing the, the ceremony and it occurred to me after the ceremony, you know how a funeral kind of makes everybody into a philosopher for an afternoon. Everybody's got some deep things to say and some theories and whether or not they're particularly religious, they've got some ideas and everybody wants to talk. And I find that people want to talk to me because I'm safe. You know, you, you know, you don't have to comfort me. I'm not part of the family and, and all of that kind of thing. So you can come talk to me if you've got some questions or some thoughts or something came up for you. And so it's a really wonderful thing that I get to do that. But here's the thing that occurred to me. In the hundreds of funerals that I've been a part of, I've heard people say all kinds of things, sometimes highly inappropriate things, but usually wonderful things. I have never in hundreds of funerals ever heard anybody come up to me and go, hey, you know, that was a good ceremony and I was touched and I love when everybody got to share and all that. But, you know, I wish I would have heard more about their credit score. I wish I would have heard more about their shoe size and how tall they were and what their gas mileage was. You know, it occurred to me that the data, the facts and figures of life are so meaningless. It's not the thing that comes up for people. And yet, here's the thing. So many people spend so much time chasing the data. You know, if only I had a few more dollars, if only I could lose a few more pounds, if only I could get a few more likes on my Instagram picture or whatever, they spend all their time chasing the data. Can I get a few things off of my to-do list? And yet we know, I think instinctively, and in these rites of passage, like a funeral, we can feel it. We know that those things are, are just completely meaningless. And so I really started to think about the fact that I really think that that chasing the wrong thing sharing the wrong thing, asking for the wrong thing is a source of so much frustration in our lives. And, you know, the world is just made out of people like you and me. And so if we're frustrated, if we're chasing the wrong thing, we're bound to be doing the wrong thing with the world that we make together. So that was the basic idea. And I thought, okay, so what is important? What is meaningful? Where do we look for this? We know where not to look, but that's not all that helpful. Where do we look? And so the book is about how to figure that out how to find what, what's actually meaningful, what's impactful, what matters in your life, and how to change your life based on what you find out. You know, using that example of the funerals and memorial services is so appropriate. Years ago, I decided that I wasn't going to do the traditional service as I was trained to do you know the 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 unity book you open it up uh -huh. and it has the script and you read this yep. at this point and you do that and it's three or four different ones you could do depending on right. the situation and almost every person who has been trained in unity metaphysics at least has their go-to funeral in that book and yeah the ernest wilson book yeah 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 and so <laughs> so you know so as you know, as I was trained by many people, uh, one person in particular who's no longer here, the Reverend Velma uh, Cheers, she would, she sat me down. This is how you do the service. This is what you do. This is how you say it. And she sat in my first service and made sure I did it, which I appreciate because it gave me the <laughs> navigation. But sure. this is what I came up with uh, several years ago. And then we get back to the book. But I just feel it so strongly I need to share this. Yeah. I, I started to talk about purpose. And, mm. and living uh, the divine design that God has placed within you at every memorial service and funeral. So, you know, mm. beforehand, you start to try to find all those scriptures that 
that, you know, speak to eternal life and God's love and God's grace and all that is good. I'm not saying anything yeah, wrong with it. But what I shifted to was I'm going to talk about three things almost at every memorial service. One is uh, living your best life. That's how you honor mm-hmm. your loved one. God has placed something in you. It's time to bring it out. And it doesn't make a difference yeah. how old you are, how young you are, or your circumstances. You just have to say yes to it and then commit to the action. Two, mm-hmm. if I feel energetically, I feel as though it's a problem, even if they don't tell me. I talk about forgiveness because I'm like, you know, when you get here, this ain't the time <laughs> to start talking about what you should have said to somebody or what you should have right. cleaned up. You know, and then I also talk about creating a sense of peace because that's what they really need. The, the service isn't for the the loved one as much as it is for the people who are still here and they need that skills, they need techniques and, you know, tools to be able to go forward. So I'm not saying that the old method didn't address some of those things, but I became highly intentional. You know, for me, those were guardrails that I could lean on until I got my own spiritual swagger and could do it my, <laughs> my own way. And, you know, I know some people like swagger and spirituality doesn't go, go together, but it goes together for me. So <laughs> no, I think it has to go. No, no, I yeah. think it absolutely has to go together. And I think that the, the kind of person, I mean, every, people mean well when they say that they're trying to have an attitude of reverence or whatever. But yeah. the truth is, if your spirituality does not apply to the real world, then it is not very spiritual. Right. Because we believe that there's spirit in and through every atom and every molecule and every cell and every moment of life. And if your spirituality has got to be up on a shelf in a special jar and it doesn't apply to life, it's not any good. I'm sorry, but it's just not. Meanwhile, when you think about Jesus, here's someone who is very highly functional and aware and astute in the ways of the world, could move through all kinds of different levels of society, could tell a joke could make a party a good party, could do all of these things. You want to talk about swagger, having a spiritual sense makes you good at life. I came right. that you might have joy and have it more abundantly. So I think that those, the, the quote-unquote two worlds aren't two worlds. I think right. that we do ourselves a disservice if we believe that there's some kind of wall. You know, We of all people in New Thought really ought to believe that this is about oneness, that, that my spirituality should make me good at life. And so, yes. you know what, I, I love what you said. The, the thing is, the, the funeral, the memorial service, whatever you want to call it, that's not for the person who has moved on because they're not there. They've moved on you know, by definition. They're doing some other work best known to God. right? This is right. for the people who are in the room. And if we believe that your soul is a beautiful, perfect creation of the Lord, then – you know, the typical funeral that you might go to where the, the point of the funeral is, well, we better pray for this one and make sure they make it to the good place. Better make, you know, can we just ask one more favor? God, can you please look the other way on all the bad stuff they did and let them in? Well, we don't believe that. Right. And so the funeral ought to have a different tone. Now, I'm a big fan of the old uh, unity services. They're beautiful and you know, because I grew up with it, it has a place in my heart. But I will say that some of those services, even though they don't have the words of it, they have the flavor of an old time kind of ceremony. And even, you know, people aren't listening to your words that much in a ceremony, right? It's about the ritual. And so if right. the ritual feels like we better protect this person's soul, that's the message they're going to get no matter what you say. So you have to be careful. And I think leaving some room to go, you know what? Very clearly, we need to talk about forgiveness here. 
You know, I, I love the, I think about the Jesus at Lazarus's tomb, that wonderful moment. You know, it's, it's as close as we're going to get to Jesus at a funeral in a way, right? And, yeah. and uh, Jesus says, look, this is, death isn't what you think it is, which is a great sentiment in the funeral, you know, if you really think about it. And then, you know, everything happens. Jesus prays. And remember, he's basically saying, God, if you really look at the text, he's basically saying, God, I'm not praying for you because you already know all this stuff. I know that you hear me always, Jesus says. And by extension, he means, I know I'm not praying for me. And I'm not playing, pre, even praying for Lazarus. And the Bible says, you know, depending on your translation, it says something like, he said this for the benefit of the people who were listening. So it's very, very black and white. So it's about the people. And then, okay, he says the prayer, Lazarus comes out. And the first thing Jesus says is not, you know, ta-da, <laughs> how about this? Let's, let's pass the hat. He says, loose him and let him go. And what that means, I take that. It wasn't like they were jumping up and down on him. It's not like they were tying him up. I take that to mean you have to stop seeing him as somebody in a box. You have to stop seeing this soul as something that is limited, as something that's dead. And that is a forgiveness message if there ever was one. All right, all right. So when you looking at your chapters, uh, chapter one, you start off with where are you? Um, mm -hmm. What is the basis for the first chapter? Because the first chapter obviously sets the pace for the rest of the book. Sure, absolutely. So my idea is, okay, so I want to make it really clear at the beginning of the book and in the beginning of our conversation here that when I say meaning, I'm not referring to an intellectual thing. This is not something that fits between your ears. So meaning for me is not a synonym of like point or aim or goal or even definition. Uh, so when somebody says, I get the point, that's not meaning. That's ego. Because when I use the word like get, that's a possessive word. I get it. I own the point now. Well, if you've ever experienced something meaningful like falling in love or like when a doctor puts a baby in your arms or anything like that, well, it doesn't fit between your ears. You know, It overflows. Meaning is not the same thing as point. Meaning is those things like Dr. Katie says in, in Lessons in Truth. You know just like you know you're alive. I can't prove it. It's beyond proof. It's beyond intellectual stuff. So okay. what I talk about in the beginning of the book with the where are you question is the thing that meaning has is it has a sense of two things. It has a sense of connection. I feel like I'm part of something bigger than myself, and it has a sense of location. In other words, I really know that I'm here. When you experience meaning, you're grounded in it. It's just like the directory at the mall where the sign says you are here. Uh, meaningful moments are you are here moments. Mm -hmm. So when I ask the question, I, I want people reading the book to go, where am I really? What in my life? And for a lot of people, it's not a lot of things because we got to work on this. But what are the things in my life that make me really feel grounded and in the moment instead of at sea? You know, what are the things that say you are here? And like I said, for a lot of people, it's a small number of things. I really feel like I'm here and I'm connected when I'm playing with my kids, when I'm cooking in the kitchen, when I put my favorite song on and I'm not paying attention to what time it is. Those are the you are here moments. And if you learn how to look for that, you can start to experience meaning in more profound ways. And, and you can see why that needs to be at the beginning of the book, because it's like, okay, start looking for that. And then we can talk about the rest of it. All right. So to a certain extent, it's being present to the now in yeah. a real way, in a real way, like, you know, the, 
you know, somebody asked me, um, you know, I haven't had a couple of people actually ask me recently, you know, about meditation and how they know if they're doing it right. I was like, I don't want to get into if you're doing it right or not, because I don't know what your soul needs. I said, but what I can say is you're consciously aware, you're present, you're in the now. Mm -hmm. your, your, yeah. your mind hasn't taken you somewhere else. It, you know, you know, I, I got to stop by Walmart to Walgreens. <laughs> or I got to pick up some milk from the grocery store. I got to pick up my dry clean, you know, because that can happen. <laughs> now you're sure. not present. Your, your mind is recycling thought at that point. It's just, yeah. you know, imagination is just playing. Now, you know, I, we both know that there's a level of meditation that does take you away, but it's taking you away to some place that's still present, but it's mm -hmm. deeper. But, yeah. you know, but, you know, but some just sitting still does not mean you're meditating. Your mind can be exceptionally busy while your body is doing nothing. And, right. and therefore you got no meaning out of the exercise, but the, right. you know, so, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so it's, it's, you know, meaning is, is a lot. So then you, first of all, let me let people know if they want to call in, they can call in, you can call in at 816 2513555816251355 if you have a question about where you are or the next question I'm about to ask is about your story uh call in and ask Reverend Dieter uh you know a question about it because not only can your question help you it can help somebody who's listening to this show even if they're listening to it 3 years from now let's make sure that you are part of the transformation of human consciousness. If you have a question, please call in and ask. So, I love that. Re so Reverend Dieter, uh, your next, your chapter two is what's your story? And, you know, I'm mm -hmm. a big believer that everybody has a story. And some people's <laughs> stories are empowering and some people's stories are disempowering, but they're all stories. So what is your meaning when you say what's your story? So the basic idea is, okay, so we talked about the idea that you're not contained by your data by your facts and figures. That's not the truth about you. In fact, it's the most insignificant part of you. And if you chase those things, you're going to feel insignificant too. Okay, so we know what doesn't contain you. So what is an appropriate vessel to contain this moment of you, this, this, this thing that you are? And I argue in this chapter that you are not a material being. You are a mythological being. You are part of a story. And what I mean by that is think about when a culture is exiled. Think about the exiles we know about in the Bible, but think about any time that a people loses their home, they lose their possessions, they lose everything. The only thing that they keep is their story. The first thing that they create when they get to a new place is their story. The story is the thing that does it. I mean, if you, if you ask somebody to marry you, you're not going to uh, produce a chart of biological compatibility and shared interests, right? You're going to tell the story of your life. Right. If you're trying to talk your way out of a speeding ticket, you're going to tell a cop a story. You know, if you're teaching a kid to tie their shoes, you can, you can you know, whip up a PowerPoint presentation about the tenfold strength of shoelaces, or you can say the bunny goes around the tree and back into its hole. It's a little story. Yeah. It works because it's a story. And so what I'm saying is I want people to think of themselves as part of something more than data, as part of a myth, a part of a mythological understanding. And, and I got to unpack that word because 
when people hear the word myth, I think sometimes they think it means the same thing as a lie. They go, oh, that's just a myth. But that ain't right. what the word means. Right. The word myth literally means it's truer than true. And, and you can think of a lot of examples. But like you know, George Washington, we talked about George Washington. Did he really chop down the cherry tree and say, I cannot tell a lie? Did he really throw a silver dollar across the Potomac River or whatever? And the answer is who cares? We don't tell those stories because we think they're factual. It doesn't matter what the facts are. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But the myth is truer than true because it carries within it meaning. That story, we tell the I cannot tell a lie story because we think it says something about the character of George Washington and by extension, something of our character as Americans or something like that, right? It's truer than true. And so ask yourself, what's truer than true about you? That's your story. And, and more than that, it's important to go, you know what? The people who love me, do they know my story? When I sit down with somebody and I talk about how was your day, do I really care You know what way they went? Did you drive by the Starbucks or did you drive by the gas station? Who cares? What I want to know is I want to be the kind of person who's so hungry to hear your story. Because you are the hero of this incredible mythological moment, and if I don't take time to find that out, I'm not getting anything important about our exchange. Beautiful, beautiful. So what's your so, story? That's the thing. That's the story. You know, it, your explanation brought back a memory that I haven't had in 20 years, <laughs> uh, more than uh, not 20 years. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's 20 years, 2000. So in January 2000. Uh, uh, Reverend Coleman brought in uh, to speak to the church, uh, the Bishop John Shelby Spong. I'm sure you're familiar mm -hmm. with Spong's work. Sure. A and uh, after that Sunday, she kept him for a few more days, and we flew. Anybody who was a, a UFBO minister or teacher could fly in and have two whole days with him while he was teaching. It yeah. was phenomenal. And what he said, you know, you know, I asked like every question in the world. I like John Shelby Spong to this day knows me. I, I probably asked more <laughs> questions than the whole room combined. But he says something that always stood out to me. And this is what this is a paraphrase, not exact. But he said, What was it about the man Jesus that those first century Jewish uh people could not think about God without thinking about him. I stopped and paused. I'm like, man, wait a minute. He's like, These mm -hmm. were monotheistic people. Even the concept of calling a man or a human being God in any shape or form was against yeah. their thought process. Now, obviously, Messiah is a different conversation, but he evolved to these, you know, by the before the first century was over, by the time you get to Paul, the Christology is already developed. And okay. I'm not telling people what they should or shouldn't believe. You know, that's not, that's not what I'm saying this for. But what it, what he was trying to say was the stories that came around their belief. And he, he so magnificently expressed God that we got to create these stories around him. And some yeah. are legitimate. Some are possibly not. Uh, I would say, I, I would say, you know, if we really had to drill down offline, I don't want to blow up anybody's Jesus right now. But if, but I think a lot of what we call the miracle stories are the stories that were built around 
his God realization. And I think that's that, that always stuck to me. Like, man, you're, you express God so well that I can't think about God without thinking about you. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And that's the moment. That's the moment where it stops being about the facts and it starts being about the story. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, talk about the works I do, you shall do also. Can you hold yourself to that standard? When people see me, do they see my facts and figures or do they see some version of something bigger than themselves? You know, they who see me, you know, see the father, that kind of a thing. Can you can you get to the place where the family resemblance shows through? You know what I mean? And and similarly, if somebody said, hey, you know, those pictures you have of Jesus uh, with the beard and the long hair, uh, probably, you know, what if he had short hair? Because a lot of people in Rome did. Do you care? If your whole concept of Jesus is based around that, then you've got some problems. I remember when I was a kid, we went on vacation. and uh, there was a wax museum, and they had you know all of the you know Hollywood stars, or whatever. And it was it was not very good, as you might imagine. You could turn around the corner, and there's Jesus, but it's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus with a small nose and all of that stuff, and it was ridiculous. And it's like there are there are certain people, bless their hearts, that are so caught up in Jesus having to look like what they saw in some movie. And the thing is, that has zero to do with it. And I think Jesus would be the first person to say, you're getting caught up on the wrong thing. I mean, talk about uh, washing the outside of the cup. If somebody told me that, you know what, Jesus didn't do this and that and the other, but he did do this, it wouldn't change my understanding and my Christology because my Jesus, my concept of the Christ is bigger than, than the physical uh, conception. You know, I believe in the miracles. I really do. But if somebody said, well, this probably didn't happen like that, it doesn't really matter to me. Right. Because that's not right. where it is. Right, right, right. I tell people, it doesn't make a difference how the 5,000 plus men and women got fed, whether it's allegorical or mythical or if it's literal. I said, what I do know is God, Jesus didn't pray and bread and fish start multiplying like popcorn in a microwave. We know that didn't happen. The issue comes into play is the need was met. And what they were trying to say is when you follow him, your needs will be met. It's it's understanding the myth and in yeah. the power of myth to borrow Joseph Campbell's term that helps us understand what we need to understand. I'm looking at this clock here and it looks like we're almost at our break. Uh, so they'll be playing us out momentarily. But I do want to make sure that if you have a question, you can call in and ask Reverend Dieter. You can call in at 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. I want to make sure that if you have questions, you have an opportunity to ask them and, and do what you got to do to get your breakthroughs. Because we're here on this podcast for you to get your breakthrough. We'll be right back with True Transforms. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I have to give my few quick commercials before we get back to Reverend Dieter. So remember that Christ Universal Temple has a live stream. Obviously, everything is live stream these days. Uh, and it is found on YouTube at CU Temple. I, that's our YouTube page, CU Temple, CU, the word temple. And also on our Facebook page, Christ Universal Temple, the live stream service is from 1030 a.m. until noon central time. Make sure you check it out. We also have Monday through Friday daily inspiration for better living lessons. I normally do a few a week. Uh, The Reverend Marjorie Cook, uh, Gavin Jackson, right now, that's the team that's doing them on a weekly basis. So you want to make sure you check them out. I'll be on today, matter of fact, and on Friday to teach the noonday lesson. You also want to check out uh, Reverend Wells' Temple Talks, which is on Facebook at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can find it by just going to Facebook and putting, uh, you know, at Rev Derek Wells, and it'll pop up, I'm sure. And we have a consciousness building call, which is on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Central Time. You can get that information on our website, which is www.cutemple.org. You can also watch the live stream at our website as well. You can get all of that relevant information that you need to do what you need to do to live a better life. Also want to remind you that this show has a Facebook page, True Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page, that you share the content and write, give me a five-star rating and write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. The show is also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and a lot of other apps that uh, that host podcasts. My request yet again is to give it a five-star rating on whatever. Uh, if you listen to the show via a mobile device on a podcast app, give it a five-star rating and write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. I'm relying on you to get this message out in front of people. I think we're doing great work at Unity Online Radio and specifically my show, Truth Transforms. I'm not saying it's better than anybody else's show. I just know that we're doing great work. I bring really good and quality people to you to make sure that you get what you need to get your breakthrough. So I'm asking you to help me do what needs to be done and get this message out to people. Now, Reverend Dieter, before we get into uh, some more questions about your book, we need to let people know, first of all, how can they get the book? That's one. And two, how Mm -hmm. can they get in contact with you? All right. Well, thank you for that opportunity. Um, you can find the book at Amazon if you just look for uh, Meaning Fulfilled, M-E-A-N-I-N-G-F-U-L-L-F-I-L-L-E-D, Meaning Fulfilled. It's all one word, but I use two L's in the middle. Um, if you look for that or you just look for Dita Randolph, you can find it on Amazon. That way it's available in Kindle and paperback, or you can just go to my website, and that's also the way to get a hold of me. Go to Way Past OK, W-A-Y. P-A-S-T-O-K-A-Y, waypastok.com, and that's my personal website. You can find out what I'm up to. There's, there's a link for all of the books that I've written. There's a, there's a link to the blog. I put out a blog post every week. There's all kinds of ways to get in touch with me, um, and so that's a great place to come find me, waypastok.com. Beautiful, beautiful. So now that we got that out the way, we can get back to the work <laughs> because, look, you know, 
I'm a big believer that if you put if you create quality content, we we can't have any shame in promoting it because That's right. the people that are doing the other things uh, have no problem promoting nonsense consistently, you know, and <laughs> and because of a good marketing strategy, they can make it happen. I jokingly tell my 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 buddies, and you know, I believe we're the same age, so we would you know grew up mm-hmm. in some of the same era, and I jokingly say that to them and we have conversations all the time about the music we grew up with in the 70s and 80s and I was like yeah you know uh, you know like what like what happened to lyrics and hip hop what happened to <laughs> quality R&B what happened to you know love songs what happened what ha- but that's a conversation mm-hmm. for another day I, I don't love want to it away from the book but but the reason why I'm sharing <laughs> that is this marketing strategy so so I was in the car with my daughter and we were coming from a family function on the weekend and uh, I think it was some song came on. It was I don't know what I think it was. It, it was something that I was I was rapping the song. It might have been like LL Cool J, Rock the Bells, or something like that. Oh wow! You know, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> you, still, know, you know, I still know all the words to that. Yeah, me too. I'm so you know, my daughter's looking at me like I'm crazy, and <laughs> you know, because I'm word for word, and. You know, uh, and with that guitar riff, you know how that song goes. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's just it's just an epic song. And she's looking at me, and she's like, she, "I was like, Angel, this song is epic." She's like, "Oh, Dad, I'm not so much." I was like, "Angel, I was like, these guys now can put out a song like uh, Scooby Doo, skirt, skirt, Scooby Doo wants some snacks." Er, er. I was like, and all of a sudden it's platinum. I'm like, you can't tell me nothing about no lyrics now. So, so we. So, so we had a good joke about it. I mean, we had a good time, and it, it was cool and all of that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know how we got <laughs> off on that, but... Well, you know what, her. actually, that works because... It works, first of all, it's fun to talk about. You and I need to talk sometime about our, our childhood with hip-hop because <laughs> we probably listen to a lot of the same stuff. But um, the thing that's really interesting is when you think about... Um, there are news networks, let's say, that are weak on fact but really strong on narrative. So, you know, I don't have any facts to back this up, but I'm going to tell you a story that if you're on my side politically, then we believe that those people over there are bad and we are holding up the standard of what's good and you better be on this side. Even though they don't have facts to back that up, it doesn't matter. You can win, you know, that's the right word because they're trying to win something. You can win by having a strong story. And by the same token, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, you've got a racist uncle that you got to deal with at Thanksgiving. You are not going to win him over by schooling him about how DNA works. Right. It doesn't matter. But if you share your story about the courage that it takes to be a person of color, even now in the 21st century, you tell the story of the fact that, you know what, people of color go to the grocery store and they love their kids and they're just like you and me. You tell a story. You might change things. Yes, yes. I actually had that happen uh, in January. I was in California at a seminar, and what ended up happening was I ended up having dinner with the with the person who was hosting the mm-hmm. the workshop. And you know, a lot of the students that were in the workshop came to eat with him, and he was from Canada, and you know, I'm one of very few uh, black people in, at the dinner table. It was maybe another mm-hmm. one, and uh, some people who looked like they were Middle Eastern. So I started sharing uh, a, a story of 
of um, police abuse that my brother, my older brother and I went through uh, when wow. I was a kid. Uh, when I was 20, I wasn't a kid, you know, like literally the gun put on my nose type story. Man. Uh, and, you know, because they were asking, you know, because he started asking me these questions about, about, you know, America and some other different things. And I just started sharing, you know, about the police thing. Like, what's this all about? I said, so I was about to go into the facts and the statistics. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? Let me tell you what happened to me. I said, because what ends up happening sometimes is it doesn't have relativity. And I went into the story and I explained it in great detail. And then I said to him, almost every black guy I know that I grew up with has a story like this. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah, what you mean? What you mean? People can just arrest you for not doing anything. Um, They can, you know, they can pull their gun out and put it in your face and, and there's no repercussions and you didn't do anything and you weren't even arrested. You can just be beat just because they pull up on you and you ain't got no, you ain't doing a crime. You don't have any drugs on you. You aren't doing anything and they can just beat you and leave. Yes. Now it was like, I wasn't intending for that to happen, but the story caught the whole table. And then the listener was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that that actually happens to people. Now. So, and now here's the thing. What I what and what I was seeking to tell them is this. Like, look, um, I said you don't know what it means to have to have the keep the talk to your young people about mm. how to navigate life. You know, police pull you over. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Uh, don't make any sudden moves. Don't reach for the glove compartment. Don't you know? You start going. And I'm not first. And I, and I I say this with the context of my stepfather was a police officer. He's telling me these things. Wow. But do you see how powerful that is? I mean, obviously, yeah. first of all, it's 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 an embarrassment, and it's something that, that we need to keep working on. But in this moment, just to talk about how this relates to what we're talking about, right. that's the story. This is my yeah. life. This is happening. This right. isn't a bunch of facts and figures. And you know, I think that when people use that phrase, fake news – I think that it's really irresponsible, and I think it's it's a dodge. But one good thing about the fake news thing is it's like, okay, you know what? Let's not argue about the facts. You know what? Let's get let's get past that. Fine. We can't even agree that up is up and down is down. Fine. Let's talk about feelings. Let's talk about the story. Because right yeah. now there are things that hurt in the world. You can't argue with me about whether or not they hurt. They do. So let's right. go from that place. From a feeling place, from a story place, and then we can find healing instead of arguing about what the temperature was. Right, right, and that's I remember, never forget. Years ago, I had a serious debate. You know, when when you have you might not have to deal with this because your family was in unity, but you know, people are like, oh, you know, cousin, my cousin's a minister now, and having a serious conversation with my missionary Baptist cousin, uh, right. and she. Um, started asking me all these questions. I'm in the kitchen table at my auntie's house and the questions start coming. And of course, we're debating the theological points. And, you know, and I'm, you know, and after a while, of course, from my perspective, I could, you know, I had to catch myself. This was on the tail end of me uh, going into battle mode over theology. You know, <laughs> I just, you're younger. Like, I'm just, oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to do uh, RoboCop and just spray, <laughs> spray the whole room. And I was like, I don't want to do that because that feeds my ego. 
So, yeah. so what I did was, um, um, uh, what I, so what I did was, I said, look, let's just stop talking about this. Let's talk about life. And I start talking yeah. about people want to be healthy. People want meaning. People want to live the purpose that God has placed in them. People want to be able to have a life of harmony. You want what's best for your children. I, you know, and I start talking about religion in the context of this is what I was led to to empower my life, to better my life. And you're doing what you need to do to do the same. And I can't say why spirit led me to where I am and why spirit led you to where you are, but I do know that we're both better because of the process. And then I started right. talking about it from that perspective. The story changed the conversation because here's the thing. I just started talking about the demonstration of truth at that point. Like, okay, if this is what you believe, then this is what should be showing up. Yeah. And if not, you know, it, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say it was, you know, it's Jesus heals the, the blind man on the Sabbath and the authorities go, you know, they, they grill him. You know, you get the image of an interrogation room, and they, they grill this guy, and they're like, hey, you know, he's a bad guy, Jesus. You know, he healed you on the Sabbath, and that's, that's against our theology. Don't you think he's a bad guy and all this? And the guy says, look, I don't know anything about the, the points that you're trying to make. Here's what I know. I was blind, and now I see. Yeah, yeah. That's the bottom We can line. argue about – yeah, man, we can argue about the points of all of this, but we know that that's not what Jesus stood for. You know, right. we were talking about the idea of, of getting, getting caught up in the wrong part of Christology, the, the getting missing the point. And think about this. This is something Rob Bell actually talks about a little bit. He says, you know, if you're trying to make a, a marketing message, they tell you in marketing school to, to have a, a really clear, straightforward message. Don't be redundant. Don't say it different ways to get the point across, right? That's right. marketing. Well, we have four gospels that each say things a little bit differently. That's a terrible marketing strategy. And the, the part of the point that, that Bell is making is this story is so much bigger than one set of facts and figures. The narrative can't be contained in one account. It doesn't matter that it's not a strong marketing message. And the fact that Christianity has survived despite a terrible marketing message is pretty amazing. Right. So we have to get to the place where, where – what we're interested in is what is the thing that is too big for words? That's where meaning is. That's where story is. That's what locates you and connects you to bigger things. That's what we're supposed to be looking out for and sharing with each other. All right. All right. So, you know, I thought we were going to be able to go through all of the chapters, obviously, in the next 12 minutes. I don't <laughs> know if that'll be, be the case, but we have a caller <laughs> online. So I want to bring the caller on, Reverend Dieter. Okay. Sandra, are you there? Yes, thank you. Good How morning. How you doing there? I'm calling from Arizona this morning. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Great, great. <laughs> I have morning. a sister that lives in Arizona. That's great. Oh, so, do, oh, you have, perfect. Do, you have, do you have a question for Reverend Dieter? I do, I do. Uh, I was wondering, uh, as far as the Bible says, the kingdom of God is within... If uh -huh. you could kind of expound on what the kingdom is, and I know that every person is different, but the word kingdom. 
it's a big word. Uh, do you think word- you can just break it down a little bit? Okay, so I, I had a little bit of trouble here. Here's what I'm hearing. Um, the kingdom of God is within, and yet people are, are very different. So can, can you break that? Can you break down how that means, and can you unpack the word kingdom a little bit? That's that's what I'm hearing. So, yes, understand that that that, that the idea of a parable. You know, when you think of a pair of things, <laughs> it's 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 kind of a good way to think of of the word. A parable means putting two things next to each other. So I'm going to tell you a parable. I'm going to put something that you don't understand that's too big next to something that you do understand. And I can go, this is like this. And, you know, Jesus did that a lot. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and it's like this. He said it's like this a whole lot, right? So the idea is that Jesus was never talking about a guy in the sky with a throne and a crown and, and all of those things. He wasn't talking about some voyeuristic presence up in the clouds that sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake. That's Santa Claus. You know, he wasn't talking about those kind of ideas, but he was trying to say, look, guys, the, it's God is like a king in the sense that, that, that this, God has dominion, that God is in charge. And so the closest thing that the people that were listening to him had to, to compare that to is, is a monarch, is the king. So the, the idea of a kingdom doesn't mean a territory. It doesn't mean something with a potentate in charge. It means that this place where we are is God's dominion, right? Thy kingdom come and all that. And so the next part of that is when he says, look, the kingdom of God is within you. And it's also in your midst, so inside of you and everywhere outside of you. The idea is not it, – it's not the idea that, that there's only one way to do this. It is expressed in and through each and every person. Remember that Jesus also compares uh, heaven to the wind. He says, you know, you can't see it and you can't measure it, but you know when yeah. you experience it. Yeah. And I think that it's okay for this thing, the kingdom of God – to be so big that you can't really define it to be experienced variously through all the people who are experiencing it, but that it's, it's not a matter of saying I can define it, but a matter of saying, I know it when I see it. And you know what? That's everything important. You know, everything meaningful like love and inspiration and beauty and truth and honor, you know it when you see it. But I can't prove love on a chalkboard with an equation. It's not about chemistry, is it? When I love, I just love. I know it when I see it. And so the kingdom of God is like that. I know that God is in charge. And yeah, each and every person experiences it differently because that's how big it is. can't be contained in any one person's experience. So I think that's what's going on there. Well, thank you, thank you, Sandra, for the for the call from good old Arizona, good and hot Arizona, uh, and I appreciate your support and and thank you and continue to listen. We we have some good stuff on this show. Thank you so much. So so um, when we when you were explaining the the kingdom, I I, I thought of this word. Uh, we're both familiar with Dr. Rocco Erico's work, and he always talks about in language translation matters. And, mm-hmm. you know, the word kingdom in Aramaic, the language he's actually spoke, actually means God's counsel. You know, so even even it, linguistically, it doesn't mean 
a realm, but the language, the realm in the in the context of a place, it just it's trying to let you know that the presence and power of God is within and around you all the time. So yeah. what's what's interesting, Reverend Dieter, is I I, I was preaching on Zoom last week to a, for, for a church in Canada. And one of the things I said to them was, peace didn't leave you. You left peace. And what I meant by that was, <laughs> <laughs> was what you call the peace of God is just you becoming aware of what already was there all along. Peace didn't leave mm-hmm. you. God didn't leave. God didn't change. You changed. And yeah. when you change, you didn't get the benefit of the peace that was already there or the prosperity or the wisdom or the understanding or the, or whatever it is that a person is seeking to get, you know, because we make up this story of separation. Well, yeah. And when you feel, when you feel separate from God, who moved? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Peace didn't move. God didn't move. We moved. Yeah. In fact, it, there's that great part at, in the end of the Gospels where Jesus says, okay, guys, I got to go because if I stick around, you're never going to grow. You're never going to figure this out for yourselves. You always – I have to go. And yes. But he says, you know, but I leave the comforter. I leave the Holy Spirit, and I leave the peace, and the peace passes all understanding. In other words, this isn't something that sits between your ears. It's always been here, always going to be here. Your job is to quit trying to figure it out with that thing between your ears and to start trying to feel it out. Yes, yes. It's 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 a different it's a different world when we try to intellectually process this only. As uh I'm a big fan of Neville Goddard and mm-hmm. one of the things uh I listen I even listen to his YouTube lessons uh while I'm walking exercise and nice. on on one uh audio he was explaining to, to his students that don't come to me if you want logic. He says, now there's a place for logic. He says, but when you start working with spiritual things, I'm not trying to framework this into your limited capacity to think. What, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, basically saying was, he says, I'm illogical. I'm going to tell you to do something that is illogical to the human mind, but principle I'm paraphrasing him, of course, but principle-based to the spiritual thinker. So spiritual mm-hmm. thinking and uh, logical framework, a uh, logical framework of thinking don't always go hand in hand. There's a place for, I want critical logical thinking when I'm building a building. I don't want it to fall on me. I need the geometry to be right. <laughs> sure. I don't need geometry when I'm trying to produce a heal, divine healing in my body or uh, or to create infinite supply when it doesn't seem as though all the facts say I can't prosper. That's, That's right. a different type of meaning. You have to well, get you know, into I your, think that, yeah, your own myth. Yeah I, yeah, I think that your your brain's important. God made that wonderful brain, and you should make sure that you're asking questions, and you should make sure that, that what you're doing stands up to the rigor of rational thought. Of course, that's important, but your brain should not be driving this bus. Because your brain, in some ways, is not any more important than any other organ. It's not any more important than your spleen. You should live in a way that's healthy for your spleen. (laughs) It's important, right? But that can't get you everywhere. 
Your brain is not the most important organ in your body. You should be living from your heart because all of the best things are things that don't make logic. Love doesn't, isn't logical. It's not Darwinian. It doesn't make sense that way. Okay. Yeah. Art, exactly. truth, beauty, inspiration. These aren't things that you prove with an equation, like I said a, a few minutes ago. But the thing is, you're not called upon to make logic of your life. You're called upon to make sense. And sense is not something you think. It's something that you feel. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so, you know, maybe you you were born in what, 72? 73. 73. You might be the reincarnation of Neville. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you made a transition in 72. I'm just messing with you. But, uh, you know, but you never know. But, but seriously. <laughs> but, so... <laughs> We, we we don't have a lot of time left. We only got about a minute. Uh, so, if could you please give people yet again the website, the book, the name of the book? Uh, Absolutely. The book is called Meaning Fulfilled. Uh, Meaning Fulfilled. Uh, three words put together. But the best way to find me is go to Way Past OK W A Y P A S T O K A Y Way Past OK dot com. I'm also at Way Past OK on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. So I'm pretty easy to find, and I sure hope that everybody listening will come find me. Pick up a copy of that book. I promise it's going to change things for you. Definitely, definitely. And, and I don't put my name on a lot of things because people who know me know that I don't sugarcoat when it comes to truth. <laughs> Hardcore metaphysics guy. I can stand behind Reverend Dieter's work with, oh, with, absolute integrity, with absolute integrity. So get the book. Let's support what we can support. Let's do what we need to do. If you went to the movie theater, you know, when before this pandemic, just going to taking you and your family, getting some popcorn, Twizzlers and some pop, you're, you're out of 80 to $100. You can purchase a book for how much is the book? Uh, 12 bucks. 12 bucks. All right. More than a stop at McDonald's by the time you get your grandkids chicken nuggets. <laughs> get the book. Work with the material. And if you have questions, you can reach out. Reverend Dieter personally and I'm sure he will take care of you without a doubt that's right so next week I'm going to have another show on the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman uh, and her teachings with the Reverend Dr. Sheila McKeithen and the Reverend Burnett Jones so I look forward to being with you God bless you and enjoy the rest of your day thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.